0: If you're looking to sell your private company stock, SharesPost has a solution for you. With more than four billion in company-approved transactions, SharesPost is the leading marketplace for private company shares. To learn more, visit us at SharesPost.com/equity. Right. Right. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, and welcome back to an Equity Shot. I am Alex Wilhelm, and I have Kate Clark today. Kate, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. Happy Friday.
0: Happy Friday and happy Lyft S1 day. We have been counting down and talking about this day for what feels like, I don't know, two or three years now. And uh, on a Friday, here we are with a really, really long S1, Um, but we wanted to walk you through it. We presume you're probably on your drive home now from work. So let us uh, give you the highlights. And Kate, if you will start us off, what are the nuts and bolts?
1: Well, let's just start with the basics. Uh, Lyft is going to be debuting on the NASDAQ, which comes as no surprise. And they've got the ticker symbol Lyft, which um, is, also comes as no surprise. And they have not yet priced their shares or have shared with us how many shares they're going to be selling. So we don't actually know how much they're going to raise or at what valuations they're going to debut at. But um, the S1 does list $100 million as what they're going to raise. But that's typically included in S1s. So as just a bit of a placeholder figure.
0: Yes, absolutely. But one thing to note is that people can put in different placeholder figures. Companies that are going to raise a billion or more in their IPOs often put 500 million as a placeholder or even a billion. So to have 100 million written down is fascinating. It could be a hint, could be, that the IPO is going to be a bit smaller than we expect. However, given the numbers that are inside of it, I really doubt that. So let's talk about the big top level stuff. Uh, Actually, Kate's going to run us through the revenue from 2016 Mm -hmm. through 2018.
1: Yeah, so Lyft recorded 2.2 billion in revenue in 2018, which is more than double the revenue they recorded in 2017. Um, in the calendar year of 2016, Lyft posted 343 million in revenue. So they're seeing a lot of really significant revenue growth.
0: Yeah. But quickly, just on the on the, on the growth side, that means they essentially, they more than doubled in, from 2016 to 2017 and then doubled from 17 to 18. That's just crazy, crazy, crazy growth. I've never seen a company go from 1.06 billion to 2.2 billion in a year. That's just-
1: Absolutely. It's, it's rapid growth and it really, I think, it makes us excited about what we'll see in the next couple of years from Lyft.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now, moving to costs, a um, couple of things that I want to point out. Of the uh, $2.16, 2200000000 in revenue, they spent $1.24 billion on just cost of revenue, which was up roughly 100% from the year before. They had operations and support expenses of $338.4 million up a little more than double from the year before. Research and development came in just at over $300 million, $300.8 million, if you want to be specific, up more than double from 2017. Sales and marketing costs broached the $800 million mark, up from $567 million in 2017. And of course, G&A also went up, from 221 million in 2017 to 447.9 million in 2018. So, essentially from 2017 to 2018 lifts costs and expenses went from 1.77 billion to 3.13 billion. Wow. It's a lot of dollars. That's a lot of money.
1: That- that's a lot of money, and that's also a lot of numbers, and I have even more numbers. Um, so as we just pointed out, revenue has been really skyrocketing. But meanwhile, net losses are growing considerably as well. Um, on that $2.2 billion in revenue we talked about for 2018, Lyft posted a net loss of nearly a billion dollars. The exact figure was $911 million. Um, the prior year, uh, when Lyft posted about $1 million in revenue, they lost... 688 million dollars so you know those are some considerable losses yeah
0: but just i want to think about this for a second as a team because if they lost 688 million off of one point call 1.1 $1. 1 billion in revenue uh they had a much worse net loss percentage than they did when they posted 911 million in net losses off of 2.2 2 billion so essentially, even though the dollar amount of their net loss went up from 2017 to 2018, their net margin probably got better. And that's in a sense the path to profitability they can talk about. Eventually, of course, they'll need to lose less money on a cash basis, not just a relative basis. But it is notable that they are bringing that curve down as they grow. So it's kind you're, right.
1: Of you're right. We should be looking at the, the bright side of things.
0: It isn't S1 day. I mean, I don't want to be too negative all the time. Um now, speaking of speaking of that, let's talk about adjusted. Uh, losses now, normally speaking, when we turn from net losses to adjusted losses, the numbers get better. This is kind of a weird a weird situation because if you recall Kate just said uh Lyft had a net loss of nine hundred and eleven million dollars in twenty eighteen Their adjusted EBITDA for for twenty eighteen is negative nine hundred and forty three point five million um Maybe this happens, but I don't recall ever seeing it happen before, so it's just very notable that their adjusted uh losses are actually worse than their uh, their net losses. So that's a bit of a quirk. Um, and I'm curious to see how investors kind of chew on that because what a world we live in. Hey, everyone, don't forget this episode is brought to you by Shares Post. But let's keep scooting along. Kate, you were going to walk us through a couple of ride hailing specific figures that are kind of apropos only to the Lyft and Ubers of the world.
1: Totally. I think what's really fun about these S1s is you really get the nitty gritty. So what we are able to see today is um, revenue as a percentage of bookings looks to be increasing pretty consistently, though not a ton, a um, quarter over a cu- quarter. So what that means essentially is that Lyft is earning more money. Um, for each of its rides. So they also provided this um, revenue per active rider, which is also increasing over time. So they're they're earning more money on each ride. Um, Alex, what were your thoughts well, on this? It's
0: fascinating. I see this kind of in two ways. So just to throw out some numbers out there, let's say uh, Q1 to 2017, Lyft took in about 21% of bookings as revenue. Now that number went up to, let's say in Q118, 23.9%. And at the end of 2018 in Q4, Lyft was taking in 28.7% of bookings as revenue. Now, sounds good, but there's a bit of a caveat, because if Lyft can take in more of bookings, kind of the gross ride volume, if you will, in dollars, over time, it can probably grow its revenue more quickly than it could if that number was flat. On the flip side, does this possibly mean that drivers, kind of the bread and butter of Lyft's current revenue, are they getting less money of each dollar that they drive in in, uh, kind of ride volume, and will that make driving for Lyft less attractive? So on one hand, yay for Lyft shareholders, and also kind of ugh. On the driver's side, it's a balancing act. So there's not one right answer. It's kind of both.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, drivers are absolutely core to Lyft's business and they have to put, you know, they have to make drivers a priority in order to sustain the business long term. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they ultimately prioritize their drivers and keep their drivers happy. And taking money away from each driver's ride is certainly not the way at
0: that. But we have one other uh, kind of ride-hailing specific number to get through. So tell us about uh, Revenue per Active Rider.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, this is similar. I, as I just mentioned, a revenue proactive writer does look to be um, growing quarter over quarter. Although, based off the numbers in the S1, it does look like they had a pretty flat increase um, from Q2 2018 to Q3, 20, Q3 2018. And Alex and I were just kind of discussing why that is. And you had some ideas about what might have put. Given Lyft such a yeah, so looking there. at
0: this this metric, you want to see this go over, over, up over time because if revenue practice rider increases, Lyft is getting more total dollars out of each of us who are Lyft users. So this is kind of a number that if it goes up, everyone's happy. But to go from – I don't know. Pick some numbers here. Okay, Q4, 16, it was $18.53 per rider up to roughly mm-hmm. 36 now in Q4. That's almost a doubling, so pretty impressive. Yep. What drove that? My guess is people are taking more and more lifts as time goes along, and it gets ingrained in our culture. Also, Lyft is driving out uh, new riding models, scooters, bikes, that sort of thing, and that could be increasing revenue as well.
1: And they they talked a lot in their S one about how they're a multimodal platform, you know, meaning that they not only have cars, but they also have scooters and bikes now. They've also integrated public transportation options into the app, so they're really thinking long term about becoming this. M- major transportation platform. And, you know, Uber is doing the same exact thing. And I think when we do see the Uber S1, we're going to see a lot of similar um, language, like this multimodal platform and, you know, integrating bikes and scooters and how that all fits yeah, into their long-term Yeah, everyone wants you to know the that
0: they're going to have a lot of growth ahead of them. And if they're only doing one thing, it's like just the standard ride-hailing business, the ride-sharing business, that's not as big a TAM, total addressable market, as doing lots of things. And that's why Lyft is talking about scooters, and I saw in a graphic in its S1, there was an autonomous car, and all that sort of stuff's going to keep rolling.
1: Right, there
0: was. Now... Mm-hmm. There is a bit of score taking that happens when an S1 drops. Everyone wants to know who has the biggest stake, how much do the founders have, how much do the venture capitalists have. And there's a bit of an interesting kind of breakout here. So Kate, can you walk us through... Uh, our favorite fact about this ownership table.
1: Yeah, I think my favorite thing about an S1 is getting to see how much different entities own of whatever company is going public. And I imagine a lot of our listeners are probably doing the same thing. So Lyft's key largest uh, investor stakeholder at this time is Rakuten, which is a Japanese e-commerce business. Um, They currently own 13% uh, of a pre-IPO stake of Lyft. Um, Unsurprisingly, General Motors has nearly an 8% stake Fidelity, which is a mutual fund, has a seven percent stake. Andreessen Horowitz, a um, very well-known venture capital firm, has a six percent—sorry, six point two five percent—stake. And Alphabet has just over five percent. So, what's really interesting about this lineup of of stakeholders is that only one of these is a true classic venture capital firm, and that's obviously Andreessen Horowitz. So, you know, typically with venture capital backed businesses like Lyft, which has raised, you know, uh, Billion, $5 billion in venture capital funding since it was founded, they would probably have, you know, more venture capital firms that are here with these large stakes. But Lyft has a, a really interesting lineup. And I think what it what it tells you is that these unicorns that are all, you know, finally going public, they have sort of a variety um, mix of backers what it tells you is that these unicorns that are all, you know, finally going public, they have sort of a variety um, mix of backers that are not necessarily all VC firms.
0: Yeah, gone is the day when you raise a Series A, then a Series B, then a Series C, then a Series D, then go public, and there's like six VCs in a cap table. In this case, it's kind of a global pool of capital that was needed, frankly, to get Lyft to where it is today, because it has taken billions and billions of dollars of investment to build this engine uh, to drive this company forward. Uh, And on that terrible, terrible pun, we're going to talk about something serious, which is um, driver bonuses. Now, this broke a little bit before the uh, S one dropped, but Lyft is going to provide uh, some money to certain drivers to help them purchase shares of the company. So, okay, can you tell us uh, how much money we're talking about here?
1: Yeah, so the company decided to reward its drivers, you know, as we mentioned before, who are the backbone of the company, um, with a ten thousand uh, dollar maximum cash bonus. Um, and that is if they are quote unquote in good standing have and have completed at least twenty thousand rides as of February wait, wait, okay as of February twenty fifth twenty nineteen so you know that's obviously going to a certain group of drivers who are probably um, full time Lyft drivers um, very loyal to the company so they're going to be getting some extra cash like you mentioned in order to hopefully get a piece of the IPO pie.
0: Yeah. So there's two ways to think about this. One is it's a PR stunt because how many drivers are in good standing and have done 20,000 rides by the 25th? I don't know. Maybe it's a lot, maybe it's not, but at a minimum, this is a company giving some of its—I don't know—winnings, uh, if you will, from this this bet on its business uh, that normally don't trickle down to contractors and drivers are contractors, not employees. So it's a way to share the wealth. It is maybe not that much wealth being shared, but I don't want to turn up my nose entirely at it. I just want to point out that it it could be more generous. Um, Lyft has a lot of money; they have over 500 million in cash right now. They're going to have even more coming soon. So good, but could be.
1: Yeah, we really need more information. I mean, for one, what does it mean to
0: be in good standing? Like, what if that's just yeah. like
1: eight drivers? Like, we just have no idea. If, if there's
0: only eight drivers what? who meet this and it's 80K, I mean, for shame. Like, that's just that's just unacceptable. <laughs> um, now, uh, we have two last little data points for you. And before we get to scooters, which is the thing we've saved for last, mm-hmm. because who doesn't want to hear more about scooters on this show, is a risk factor. Now, there is a, mm-hmm. a bit of boilerplate in S1s that gets thrown around a lot, and we just want to clarify that if a company says, and just quoting here, we have a history of net losses and we may not be able to achieve or maintain profitability in the future, that doesn't mean much. It's not like this company is saying uniquely, we are a bad business and we may never make money. It's kind of something you see in a lot of S1s because a lot of companies want to defang the risk of them not making money down the road. It is, so, yeah.
1: Right. And I think that's – it's a, and happy you pointed that out because, you know – A risk factor is an integral part of an S1. A company has to put those things in there. It's not like they're like, oh, why don't we just tell everyone the worst parts of our business? But it's just part of the process of, you know, Transitioning from a private company to a public company, where you share a lot more about you know what's under the hood. So um, I did see a lot of jokes on Twitter about this um, particular s- statement which you just read about Lyft saying, "Hey, we actually may never become profitable." But I mean, in all likelihood, Lyft will become well, profitable. Well, I mean, in this, if like, it does know, or if it
0: doesn't, if, this process. statement does not tell us what the future will be. So you know, lay, lay your own bets, lay your own wagers, but yes. don't let this guide you. But now, as promised, we're going to wrap with. Um, I did a point involving how much money did Lyft spend on scooters in 2018? Kate.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I um, one of the first things I did when I was looking at this S1 was Control-F, the word scooters, and I think it was 127 mentions. So that was kind of, yeah. So, um, and uh, just for comparison's sake, I think Uber was mentioned 10 times. So, anyways, uh, Lyft says they spent $60 million million Buying scooters in 2018, and that 2018 was the first year that they did indeed record some revenue um, from their scooter business. So, um, you know, it it did mention that in 2016, 2017, which Lyft didn't even have scooters, so I'm not sure why they even, you know, said that. They actually had not recorded any um, revenue from their scooter business. But in 2018, they did, although it was not enough, um, it was not material for the year ended December 31st, 2018.
0: And that is a womp womp on the scooter revenue. So we can't really stick that up against what uh, Lime and Bird have done. But hopefully, if this company goes out as public, uh, probably before the end of Q1, we should get a uh, new filing from it. It'll it'll be an 8K and a 10Q. So we'll see more information soon. And finally, guys, at long last, we not only have the first ride-hailing IPO, but also the first real IPO in the works, public S1 of 2019. And it's going to be a hell of an active year. So strap in. Yes. And it's going to be a lot of fun, but Kate, thank you for dropping in. We'll get this on the internet and I will talk to you next week. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. And a big thank you to Connie Loizos, our producer, Christopher Gates, our executive producer, Henry Pickovit. And we will see you all right here next week.